Hi, my name is Scott Kerland, and my best friend Lils Martin hates musicals. I'm Lils Martin, and my friend and acquaintance Scott Kerland loves musicals. Wait, what? But I don't like I don't like begrudging for it or anything. Wait, I don't know. I said you were my best friend, and you just called me a friend and acquaintance. Yeah. I was working really, really hard on creating this podcast for you where I show you great movie musicals and bad movie musicals because I love you, but you want to be a dick. We were supposed to court this promo for Hell is a Musical, and what are we doing right now? Sounds like we're recording the promo right now. Hell is a Musical on the Zero Science Network. Be there. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Welcome to my birthday month. I am Scott, and what I got is a movie that never got a fair shot. That's right. We're talking about the Hudsucker Proxy, buddy. <laughs> so you know what that means. It's in the basket. Writer's Bagel Basket. Buddy. Now, if y'all ain't from the city, we got something here called a rat race. Got a way of chewing folks up so that they don't want no celebrating. Don't want no cheering up. I don't care nothing about no New Year's. Out of hope, out of rope, out of time. This is Norville Barnes. Tear me apart, Lisa! David, do you take Patrick? Everything is going to be all right. I was thinking maybe the king and I. Uh, how about Oklahoma? I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Writer's Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Curlin, and we kick off uh, my self-indulgent birthday month with one of my favorite movies of all time, which it it's quite possibly one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies of all time. Uh, we are talking about The Hutsucker Proxy, and we are talking about it with C.B., Christopher Brown, and D.B., Danielle Brown. You two know each other, right? I think so. We've met. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How do you do? <laughs> oh, very fine. Thank you. <laughs> so is it true that like you've never seen this before? No, I'm shocked Never. that I have not seen this. Um, yeah, it's it somehow passed both of us. So, like, I, I'm i shocked that neither one have seen this. Because, like, usually our gaps are filled by one person or the other. But I don't know. I don't know what happened. I'm sorry. Because this is great. The last three <laughs> birthday episodes I've had you on, uh, CB, am I batting, you know, three for three? The Sting, well, um, Thin Man, and yes. this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all, all three are uh, all three are pretty good. Yeah. I'd say this is this, this is the weakest of the three, but um, it, using that term very very loosely because it's still yeah. uh, a really good movie. Yeah, for sure. So, did you see who co-wrote this with them? Uh, Raimi, right? Sam Raimi, because yeah. <laughs> because this was originally written back in 1985 or 86. Because his follow-up movie to Evil Dead was a movie called Crime Wave, and he wrote it as a companion piece with Hutsucker Proxy when he was living with the Coen brothers. It was, this is the craziest, like, people living together. It was the Coen brothers, 
Francis McDormand, Holly Hunter, and Kathy Bates, and Sam Raimi were all living in a house together. What a good friend. All under one roof. Yeah. (laughs) That's a sitcom that I want to see so bad. So, (laughs) like, they wrote Crime Wave, and the Coens mainly wrote Crime Wave, and, and Raimi did, like, a polish on it, but he got the credit for it with the Coens, and then... He mainly wrote most of this, but the Coens got the credit for it, and they were supposed to be made at the same time, but the Coens decided to opt out because uh, Newman, Paul Newman, was like, ah, I don't normally do comedies, and I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? You were in The Sting, you were in Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, you were in Slapshot. (laughs) Yeah, Slapshot is really the one where it's like, you you can't say you're... You don't do comedies and then be in Slapshot. Yeah, exactly. I think that was the year he did Slapshot. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, like, he never forgot about it. So, who wants to do the blockbuster role? Who wants to give us a back-of-the-box synopsis of what the Hutsucker Proxy is about? Oh, I'll, I'll allow Danielle to do that. Oh, you want me to do it? I wrote down something super quick before this. So, <laughs> mine is, man with a big idea for kids gets hired as president of a big company after founder cartoon jumps from a 44-story window. Yeah, that's good. It's accurate. <laughs> people who rented people who rented this also wrote Secret of Nim and Evil Dead Two. <laughs> Dead by Dawn. <laughs> but yeah, the, Sam Raimi writing this and kind of handing it to the Coens makes sense because it does feel like a like live action cartoon throughout the whole thing. Well, the, um, which the, I loved. The second unit director on this was a fake name the second unit director on this is sam raimi but i i saw that because he he filmed i saw he filmed the hula hoop scene yes is, it was that whole that, sequence that scene is wonderful. so sam raimi yeah <laughs> that entire scene is the sam raimi of sam raimi and the other thing he filmed was the newsreel yeah that makes sense okay yeah that makes sense yeah the newsreel <laughs> that also features you you know who the voice of the newsreel guy was right that was oh I I wrote uh, recognize when it was happening. It's Goodman. Yes, Goodman. It's Goodman. Which, yeah. which, this the plot of this movie is very similar to another movie that came out in 1994, that starred John Goodman. Was that um? Year? Was that the year of matinee? No, Flintstones. Oh jeez. Oh <laughs> right. It, it has. This the, is at the same time as Flintstones, really. But also. Isn't the plot kind of very similar? It, it yeah, is. Yeah, what I vaguely remember from that movie. Yeah, yeah. Kyle MacLachlan basically is Paul Newman in it. Right. Yeah, cigars That's and everything. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> my my buddy Johnny Riley, who's been on this podcast, I he has another podcast called Movie Deja Vu. I should I should have him do the Hot Sucker Proxy and the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's pretty good. That's but yeah, that's very insane. Sim- yeah, and. Newman, uh, he thought that this movie was dead and he wasn't going to do it um, mm. because he thought it was dead. Like, it wasn't that he wasn't going to do it. He thought that, like, the movie was just in limbo and never going to happen. And when he found out they were, like, going to Clint Eastwood for the role of Musburger, he's like, hell no, that's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. That would have been awful. Yeah, Eastwood and comedy don't really mix particularly well. No. Um, Pink see <laughs> Yeah, see the loose series of films uh, if if you need any further proof of that. My favorite version of the loose films is when they did it on the critic. Ooh, someone's kissing me. 
It must be a beautiful woman. Now, I'll make sweet love to you while keeping my eyes closed the whole time. <laughs> Clyde! <laughs> uh, but this film was Warner Brothers being like, we need to make a Coen Brothers movie. Like, it's not fair that Universal did so well with Raising Arizona and Miller's Crossing came out and then Barton Fink. Like, they were on top of their game. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's weird because, like, two of my favorite directors of all time are the Coens and Sam Raimi. So so for them to do this movie, which it's it was panned. This movie tanked and the box office i mean that doesn't surprise me it is like if you're going in blind it's got to be such a weird experience um i don't think i'd ever would have like i don't know i don't think i would have expected this movie but i really enjoyed it (laughs) yeah and i can't picture this movie without tim robbins in it yeah i had the same thought i like after watching this i felt bad that i haven't like i haven't really give given tim robbins too much of a chance and like I i might just be the movies that I watch this don't have him in it, but he was great in this. Well, this was a Tim huge Robbins year and him. Jennifer Jason Lee. It, it should be she said, was because great she, too. Oh, yeah. she I was. I, I would argue she was the best part of this movie. Uh, Jennifer she Jason was like Lee. a breath of fresh air when she showed up because, like, I, I think at that point, right before it, I was like, oh boy, like I don't know where this is gonna go. And then she showed up, and I was like, I'm, I'm fully back in again. <laughs> I tell you, the guys are phony. Phony, huh? As a $3 bill. Says who? Says me, Amy Archer. Why is he an idea man? Because Hudsucker says he is. What are his ideas? Why won't they let anyone interview him? Genius. Five bucks says she mentions her Pulitzer. Why won't they tell us a single solitary thing about him? You're wrong. And just take a look at the mug on this guy. The jutting eyebrows, the simian forehead, the idiotic grin. Why, he has a face only a mother could love. On payday. Apparently she killed it. She killed it in her audition because they were going to go with, like, the list was very weird. It was like Ellen Barkin, Winona Ryder, Julia Roberts. The one who I can picture besides her was uh, Bridget Fonda. And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I can see Fonda. But then apparently Jennifer Jason Lee came in with the transatlantic accent and the whole name's yeah. Amy Acker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and doing the fast talking. That's yeah. funny, though. I, I wonder what the casting notes were when when they sent out the call for that, based on your description of who, who was in the running. We need a female. <laughs> I think I gotta have, have it. legs. <laughs> I think what it says is we're looking for a Rosalind Russell from His Girl Friday type. Oh. So. So CB will be back next year to do His Girl Friday. <laughs> <laughs> that I've seen. I love His Girl Friday. Yeah, the, I saw that at uh, Coolidge, actually. That's where to see it. That and The Thin Man. Actually, The Thin Man mm-hmm. you should really see at the Somerville on 70mm. But this Yeah, film, I mean, if I ever hear of it, I'll, I would go see that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, if you don't take me, you're dead to me. So... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you did that on purpose. <laughs> but uh, this film was Joel Silver who direct uh, produced Point Break and all of these like action movies for Warner Brothers. It was his first time producing a comedy. Not only a comedy, but I find it funny that the line that they say the most in this film is four kids because this is <laughs> this is the Coen Brothers version of a kids movie because it's PG. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize it was PG, but yeah, 100%. Is, it's 
It's funny because it is completely family friendly, but um, similar to the Phantom Menace, which would come after it, I feel like a lot of the major plot points like wouldn't make sense to kids, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the idea of like shorting stocks is probably about as alien to kids as uh, a vote of no confidence for a chance. That was a weird. Like I feel like that showed up a lot in I, again. Like I keep going back to cartoons, but I feel like I at least saw. I don't know. That, that would pop up a lot in cartoons. You'd be like, oh, it's just like silly business stuff. Oh, yeah. Remember when Bugs Bunny shorted the stock market in 1931, causing yeah, exactly. the Great Depression? <laughs> that bugs. Is Ain't it, I a stinker? <laughs> isn't it insane that, like, Charles Durning is built third in this movie, and he's in the movie for eight minutes. I know. Not I was even. all excited about him because I I fully know him from like a child when he was in a he was like the he's the bad guy in a Muppet movie is yep. little Doc Hopper. Um, so I was like all excited to see Durning, and then he, he jumps out the window like what ten minutes into the movie, and not even it's like five. It's, it's so good. Yeah, Durning, I, I have a few uh, fond memories of Durning, but I've got to say When a Stranger Calls is kind of, uh, that's that's like the the center of my Durning universe. <laughs> uh, for me, it's The Sting or O Brother. Yep. I do love him yeah. in O Brother. So are we Coen Brothers fans? Like, Oh, yeah. Okay. Is this a I would say space? casual. <laughs> Yeah, I, w- I would say I would say casual because there are some Coen Brothers movies that I that I dislike, but then there are some that I that I really like. So there's only one that I flat out dislike for the Coen Brothers, um, and that's Big in- Lebowski. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't that's hate that as much as you do. It is in my bottom twenty, like because they've only made like twenty movies, but it's in my bottom of their oeuvre. My least favorite is Intolerable Cruelty. Oh, yeah, I, I remember seen. that happening. It's the one with, uh, it has uh, Clooney. Clooney, and, um, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, and the Zeta-Jones, other... Zeta-Jones, yeah, that's it. Edward Herman. Huh. Oh, it's always good to get Ed <laughs> Herman in there. Yeah. yeah. But that, that, again, was them trying to do, like, an old 1960s... So it, it's when they try to do rom-coms, because this is a Preston Sturges movie. Intolerable Cruelty is a um, Doris Day, Rock Hudson rom-com. It's when they they try to get them out of their comfort zone that that their movies fail. Lady Killers, which is like a guilty pleasure of mine, but like, Lady Killers was fun. Yeah, it's it's not a great movie, but I'll talking, happily watch it if it's on. <laughs> talk about Tom Hanks doing weird voices. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the one with Hanks where he uh, where he's in a band, but they're uh, con men. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, he's, I, I he's a seen professor. It, he's a professor of the musical arts. Some people say I'm the villain of the story. Yeah, we were talking about Elvis before we started recording. <laughs> oh <my God>. oh. <laughs> I watched him wiggle his like hips. <laughs> <laughs> I realized he was a cash cow. <laughs> you know that's going to be a line in there. It would be great if um, Colonel Parker said it differently, though. Like he had like just slightly different versions of uh, colloquialisms. <laughs> so instead of cash cow, he's like, he's a money pig. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bovine bank. <laughs> okay, so he's a dollar emu. <laughs> <laughs> so when Joel Silver came on as producer, he had one actor that he wanted to play Norville and. The Coens from the very beginning wanted one of two actors. Their main person was Tim Robbins, and the other person was Cusack. 
which I can see. I could see it. It wouldn't have been as good, but I can see it. I can see mm. it. I would have gone with Michael J. Fox if you couldn't get Tim Robbins. J. Fox would have been good. Yeah, he would have been good. He wanted, Joel Silver wanted Tom Cruise. Ah, noted funny man, Tom Cruise. Yeah, everyone's favorite yeah. slapstick star, Tom Cruise. <laughs> I can't, like, but can you imagine just, Tom what a Cruise? different tone. Yeah, the scene where like he starts a fire in the office and he's trying to put it out and he gets his foot stuck in the trash barrel that is on fire. Picture mm-hmm. Tom Cruise doing that. It probably would have killed his career. Yeah, honestly. Because <laughs> what he did yeah, instead... What was he like, up to in 94? Interview with the vampire. Oh. oh, shit, that's right. That was 94, he, yeah. Because Silver that, produced that, that one too like, and when he couldn't get him in this, he got him an interview with the vampire. I, I find I find Joel Silver's producing career so insane because he would blue chip it. He would try and like short out. He would produce two movies a year, one that he knew was going to be huge and one that he would think would tank. And it, the one that he would always think would tank ended up being the big one. And the one he <laughs> would think was going to be huge was like the one that tanked. He thought this was going to be like the biggest movies. Like it's PG. Our movies don't do well. So I'll I'll take a hit on interview and I will make a ton of money with Hutsucker and Hutsucker just it it flatted out and I don't understand why because this was the movie as a kid that I watched the HBO first look behind the scenes of like the first behind the scenes I've ever seen was this movie and like yeah I'm wondering um, do you know offhand what it opened up against uh, March 15th, 1994. Let's see. Let's type this in. Um, what if it's something weird like greedy? <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, I just watched that not too, too long ago. Uh, it looks like Schindler's List. <laughs> I mean, that was a bigger film for yeah. sure. <laughs> Uh, wait a minute. Schindler's List came out in 93. Schindler's List was already playing for... Oh, it had already been in theaters for 87 days. Jeez. Or 80, 91 days at this point. So it stayed number one. I was talking to someone about this. I think I was talking to Haley about how, like, back in the day, movies didn't come out, like, so frequently. So, like, movies from 93 would be number one for months oh um, yeah and then you'd have to wait so long it was like a big event when it was coming out on like vhs <laughs> it opened against reality bites uh it opened against a whole bunch of things um four weddings and a funeral in the ref were two days before it um let's see then after that we had guarding tests the same day lightning jack uh, everyone's uh, favorite paul hogan western <laughs> okay and, so my uh, now yeah. i remember I wanted to see this movie in theaters, and my dad wanted to see Lightning Jack. No, son, today we're, tonight we're going to see The Ref. <laughs> he probably wanted to see The Ref, but he couldn't take me because it was rated R. Yeah, he could have taken you. <laughs> to to see mean, The <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's nothing saying he couldn't. You just have to be with a parent. Okay, so this opening weekend... Uh, the number one movie was Naked Gun, 33 and a third. Followed by Guarding Tess, Monkey Trouble, Schindler's List, Lightning Jack. Let's see where Hudsucker was on this. Oh, Hudsucker. Oh, Hudsucker. Uh, gr- <laughs> you were very close. <laughs> Greedy came out a week Hutsucker. before this. 
Oh, that's close. Yeah. Hot Sucker isn't even in the top 30. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Oh, geez. Yeah, it, its box office was 11 million against a 25 million budget. Yeah, that, that's not good. That's really bad. No, no that's, that's, that's why studios take out insurance policies. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. It did not do good. It opened 29th. Oh, I Chihuahua. <laughs> that is not a, that's not a great place to, uh, to open. Yeah. No. Did you know what it did better than? Greedy. <laughs> it did? No, I'm just kidding. That's surprising to me. Oh. oh. No. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, guess how much it grossed in the U.S. and Canada. Because uh, 11, 11 was worldwide. Yeah. I, 4.5? Danielle, you have any guesses? Ooh, it's like two and a half. <laughs> 2.8 million. Damn. <gasps> I wish. That's, so like, <laughs> that's like in like smaller markets. So like at the Showcase Cinema Revere, for example, like the cinema I went to growing up, that means I, I would say probably like 20 people saw it at that theater. So let's think. That, of, like that's that kind of number. Let's yeah. think about where this probably played. 94, what theaters were smaller but were showing. So this probably played at the Little Tin Flick, or not the Little Tin Flick, the Lexington Flick, the Lowell Flick, the Acton Hoyt's three screen theater. <laughs> um, probably played at the Arlington Capitol mm-hmm. and maybe the Brattle. Definitely the Brattle. Or Coolidge. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. Yeah, I'm wondering how many screens this opened on. Not a lot, I'm guessing. Just total. I'm guessing if I would say domestically, probably 500. It's got to be more than that, though. It's a, it's a, uni- it's a, it's, it's ninety four, yeah. No, it's Warner Brothers. Uh, Warner Brothers, yeah. I, I can't imagine that they would open it on that few screens. They yeah. did that for the Great Panda Adventure. Well, okay. <laughs> Thanks. That's that's useful information for well, another those, day. But it's not really the, relevant. Those are the same movies. <laughs> no, if you think about it, that that's a kids movie. That that was a PG kids movie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I keep forgetting this is PG too. Yeah. yeah well, I, I think part of the problem with this movie, though, was I don't think they marketed it as a kid's movie because I don't well, remember any no. marketing as a so, child about this film. So they, they weren't the ta- like... Okay. This was the time when when they Warner Brothers wasn't doing a good job marketing their movies because they did it with, um, uh, what was it called? Born to be Wild, the, the one with the, the kid and the monkey or the mm-hmm. gorilla. Yeah. They did it with Ed... They did it with Dunstan Checks In. They, they weren't good at marketing movies that they didn't think kids would want to see. Like, yeah, but surprisingly, it was like, the movie with all the monkeys in it. But you know what? Dunstan Checks In came out later. and I, I definitely saw that. I, I was very aware of that movie. That was a rental. I, I, was, I was aware of it, but that was... That was a movie that I was aware of after I was out of the target demographic. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Because it uh, was like definitely, said, yeah, more, more so my time. So... <laughs> Hudsucker Proxy, that was like, I mean, I was just on the cusp. I, I should have heard something about that movie if they were going to market it as a kid's movie. I don't think they did. I think they probably didn't know how to market this movie. No, that exactly. That's really probably the, the issue. Because yeah. I remember we were going to go 
Oh, okay. So we were going to go see Hudsucker because I watched the HBO first look and I was like, Dad, can we go see this movie? I like the way they talk. <laughs> like that That's what sold me on it. I was like, they're talking <laughs> funny. I had no idea who Preston Sturges was at the time. Like, that's just how it is. Um, and <laughs> I just want to hear him talk fast, Dad. And my dad <laughs> called the Bill Ricca, like in Bill Ricca, they had this like two screen theater in the middle of this strip mall. It was in between a market basket and a Kmart. <laughs> and it was this little mm-hmm, two screen mm-hmm. theater. And he called them and they're like, yeah, yeah, we're getting it. So we went that weekend and they, they're like, oh, we didn't get it. We got Lightning Jack instead. And basically it was like that, <laughs> it was like that, that scene from The Simpsons, The World's Fair, when they're like, are you gonna buy any wigs? <laughs> like. Yep. Because <laughs> we were just man, lightning Jack. Did so? Did you guys end up seeing that? Yeah, we did because um, I think the other option was Reality Bites, and my dad's like, he can't see Reality Bites, right? And they're like, <laughs> no. That would have been insane if your dad took you to see Reality Bites instead <laughs> of like a, a children's movie. <laughs> uh, you'll 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 learn something here, son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's it's a little bit different than that movie you like so much. You know, uh, the Bugsy movie. <laughs> I don't like that movie, Dad. I keep telling you, stop showing it to me. <laughs> I love that that was a realization that the two of you had fairly recently, that <laughs> neither of you liked it, but both watched it because you thought the other did. <laughs> it's called Being Polite. Oh. Yeah, that's, it's called that, Manners, that's a awful movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Well, it was on HBO. What, what do you want? Um, but this was also on HBO a lot, and I rented this a ton. And when DVDs came out, this was one of the ones that like came free with a DVD player. So my copy was free when I got Just my first DVD. it. I was like, <laughs> like I, so I got my first DVD player from a circuit city, and they're like, do you want a copy of The Mask with Jim Carrey for free, or do you want the Hudsucker Proxy? I'm like, are you serious? Are you even asking me that? And they're like, you want the mask? I was like, no, really I want, want the, the Hudsucker <laughs> <want the Hutsucker laughs> Proxy. <laughs> and they're like, you're a fucking moron. <laughs> the guys are real moron. As in a five-letter word for imbecile. Oh. Yeah, but you know that this one has Cuban Pete on it, right? This one does not have Cuban Pete. <laughs> no, this one has a very handsome. I think this is the best Bruce Campbell has ever looked. He, yeah, I, yeah, he was beautiful. <laughs> like Mwah, just uh, like a perfect little Superman curl of the hair too, and, and his oh. jaw is just perfect. Like, yeah, could cut glass with that jaw. <laughs> apparently, apparently, Chris and I are about to fuck Bruce Campbell. So. <laughs> Hey, I wasn't going as far as you were. I just said uh, chef's kiss. He was looking good. but uh, yeah, I've given one of those European kisses on each cheek. <laughs> Which is linger a little too long. And by cheek, I mean butt. <laughs> yeah, and when I you mean, do the last one, just yeah, linger. His butt is chiseled as that jaw, so. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, the, the cast is what like boggles my mind because the yeah. cast in this is so good. And I think besides um, Jennifer Jason Lee and Paul Newman, my... My third favorite character is Bill Cobb. <laughs> he was great too. The the fight scene yeah. at the end was like such a wonderful surprise. Too. I just love I love how they clearly wanted Morgan Freeman. Yes. And <laughs> But I'm at, so glad that it's not Morgan Freeman. <laughs> well, the other weird thing is they were filming this around the same time 
Tim Robbins was filming Shawshank, so on the days he couldn't be in Shawshank, yeah. he would just go to rehearsals for for Hutsucker because he thought that <laughs> Hutsucker was going to be the bigger movie of his career. <laughs> it should have been. It's it's. I would say it's a lot better than uh, Shawshank Redemption, which yeah, I, still I love think Shawshank. is a fine movie. I think it's just really overrated. But it was one of the TNT movies that made us. <laughs> I love that that movie became so famous. The Shawshank Redemption became so famous because TNT bought the rights really cheap and just played it all the time because it felt three hours. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a regular uh, it's a wonderful life scenario where yeah, it just exactly you know the, it falls into the the correct rights holders' hands and uh, yeah it goes from there. Which the the crazier thing is this is more of an it's a wonderful life movie. Yeah. This definitely. is technically a <laughs> companion piece if you think about it. To it's a wonderful life. It's a Wonderful Life is on Christmas. This is New Year's Eve. Yeah. And the one thing that they never bring up is all of this takes place in December. And we'll get back to the fact that it takes place in New York and there is no snow until the end of the movie. But <laughs> what about the fact that they never say, like, the hula hoop sales are, like, going up for Christmas time? They never mention it. Mm-hmm. No, you just see a kid yeah, like- using it, using one, wearing shorts and a T-shirt. Out in his neighborhood. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they mentioned New Year's, but, like, it's it's not of any specific season beyond that. <laughs> I tried, I I tried just, to like, look up. To, oh, go, CB. I was just going to say, whatever their production schedule, though, is for getting those hula hoops out on the street and into stores, that's what we need these days to reinvigorate our supply chain is yeah. just whatever whatever miracles that were working to get us toy into stores and then marked down the same day. <laughs> I mean, he had a fully functioning prototype before they actually manufactured the hula hoop too. He had a completely <laughs> ready-made hula hoop with sand in it. <laughs> well, the guys at uh, research and development, I also love, I think my favorite line in this movie is when he goes, after he's done insulting Amy Acker without ever knowing who she is and not realizing that it's Jennifer Jason Lee. Um, he goes, uh, Miss Smith, would you like to go to dinner with me? Maybe we can go see dinner and a show. Uh, we can go see the King and I. And she slaps him across the face and he goes, okay, Oklahoma. <laughs> Hobnobs with some smooth talking heel in the newsroom named Biff or Smoocher or... Smitty. Exactly. And I bet she's ugly, real ugly. Otherwise, why wouldn't they print her picture next to her byline? Maybe she puts her work ahead of her personal appearance. Bet that's exactly what she tells herself. You and I both know she's a dried up, bitter old maid. (laughs) Say, Amy, how about you and I grab a little dinner and a show after work? I was thinking maybe the king and I. Uh, How about Oklahoma? (laughs) I loved that. That's my favorite line in the entire movie because he doesn't even, he's like, oh, she's offended by the king and I. Okay. I I really enjoyed uh, Jennifer Jason Lee at the newspaper office. Just basically anything that happened there was gold, whether it was her and, and um, Mahoney shaking fists right in each other's faces or when <laughs> the uh, person who was doing a crossword in the background kept yelling out what they wanted in mm-hmm. mid-conversation, she would yell out the word. Yes. As, as she's typing her full story, too, and smoking a cigarette. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love when... Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Goiter! <laughs> she like, goes back to typing. <laughs> Moron! Six let- a five-letter word for imbecile. 
Oh, um, it, so since you wanted to talk about how good Bruce Campbell was looking, I think we should at least devote a minute to talking about uh, sexy Will Gallagher. Ooh. Oh, he's, good old Peter, Peter Gallagher. Like such a babe in this. He looks like <laughs> Superman. I, they both do. Like, <laughs> is it just me or did anyone else think that uh, Peter Gallagher was going to fuck uh, Paul Newman's wife? I didn't pick up on that. I just love the uh, the two ladies that were chatting up. Um, that was Paul Newman's wife. One of oh, them was. Oh, yeah, one yeah, of them was. Yeah, yeah they, they were they were getting pretty handsy with uh with all the fellas. So, oh my! You know, anything was possible. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I I thought like I totally forgot that Peter Gallagher could sing because he yeah. originated the part of Kanicki in Greece. All right, oh, he I didn't know no, that. he was a replacement for. Danny Zuko, uh, Barry Boswick was the original Kaneki. Okay. Yeah, he was he was one of the original Danny Zukos. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if we're gonna talk oh, another... about, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say if we're gonna talk about how sexy uh, Peter Gallagher looked, come on, let's talk about John Mahoney. Hubba hubba, <laughs> <laughs> Frazier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, God's gift to women, to be honest, well, and to men, this... and to and to anyone. At this point, this was his third um, movie that he did with the Coens because he was in Barton Fink, he was also in Miller's Cross, and then he was in this. Like, because he's he's a gem, and he was also in Reality Bites the same time too. <laughs> oh, was he? Yeah, he plays the talk show host that she goes and works for. Oh, interesting. Yeah, good old Mahoney, John yeah. Mahoney, Sex on the Stick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that my favorite thing in this movie is the whole Preston Sturgis of it. And I really wish that the Coens got to do what they wanted. They wanted to film this movie in black and white. That would have been oh, great. Oh, that would have been cool. So I think that actually, so part of the charm of this was because it was so clear that it was all in, on sets to the point mm-hmm. where like we, like Christopher and I were saying like, this is, it basically seems like this is what happens in Gotham during the day. <laughs> it just had that like <laughs> that Tim Burton Batman feel to it yeah. in general but because it's obviously in New York but it's so like a set set kind of deal and there's so many miniatures in it that it just had that like very clear aesthetic that like black and white might have helped a little bit but um yeah, I mean I it, if if they did the muted tones like they did with Oh Brother where that that's in color, but it has the muted sepia. The, like the sepia, yeah. Yeah, if, if they did that with muted black and white, so it just looked like a tinge of, you know, kind of like what they did with Hail Caesar. Um, yeah. But the craziest part is this was Warner Brothers' second attempt reaching out to the Coens because their first attempt, they turned down making Batman. Oh, I didn't the know Coens that did. Oh. Yeah, they were approached after Blood Simple came out. They're like, these guys. So the short list was like Tim Burton, the Coens, and it wasn't Raimi, but it was another, maybe it was Adam Rifkin. It was a it was a really weird indie choice. Our Michael Liam, Lehman, the guy who made Heathers. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> John Waters, Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Lemmon's Batman. Um, but, like, they passed on that. So, like, years later, they came back, and they're like, we want to make this. We want to work with Warner Brothers. We want to go back to your golden age of when you were making, like, Preston Sturges movies. Like, this is what you need. This is a a 
Howard Hawks style, you know, screwball comedy. And they're like, we love it. You get $25 million. And then they're like, what the hell? You wasted it all on building sets? Like, they thought they were going to pay for, like, actors. Because Newman cut his rate to make this movie. Mm. Mm. I'm glad he did. I mean, we haven't even talked about Newman. He, he's, he's 69 or 70 when he made this movie, and he looks amazing. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he does. Yeah, Haley, Haley's like, how old is he when he made this? I was like 70, and she goes, hubba, hubba. <laughs> <laughs> now that's a man. <laughs> a man. <laughs> no, single stitch is fine. But the double stitch, she lasts forever. Why on earth would I want a double stitch? To pad your account. Single stitch is fine. Damn. But like... I love his character. I love Musburger. I, also, the names in this movie: Norval Barnes, Amy Acker, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Sydney J. Musburger, and Old Moses. And don't forget Byron, the guy with the eyebrows. That guy oh, was great. That was his name. I just, I just called him yeah. eyebrows. Those eyebrows are yeah. No, I, I was curious enough to look up the character name on IMDb. Yeah, he looks like oh. an owl. I loved yeah. uh, later in the movie too when Paul Newman's like putting like the the new name together. So he's trying out like Sid Sucker and like Hudburger. <laughs> so we haven't talked about Buzz. Buzz the Elevator Man. Who oh, is ba- Buzz? He's Press Belusky. <laughs> yeah, from from The Wire. Yeah, <laughs> but he's also based on. Sam Raimi. Apparently, Sam Raimi is like that in real life. He calls everyone buddy. Oh, I didn't know that. That's I yeah. Don't know that's how I feel good. about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kevin Smith was introduced to him. So Jim Jacks, the guy who produced Mallrats, also produced A Simple Plan and The Gift and a bunch of other Sam Raimi movies. And he introduced him to Sam Raimi um, at the premiere of Mallrats, and <laughs> Sam Raimi is like, "How you doing, buddy? Ah, loved Clerks, buddy." <laughs> so good to see you, buddy. And he's like, why is he acting like the elevator guy from Hutsucker? And <laughs> Jim Jacks goes, Kevin, he is the elevator guy from Hutsucker. This is just him. <laughs> <laughs> Will he please take off that elevator boy's outfit? <laughs> how you doing, buddy? But I love how they prove how stupid Buzz is, like how like simple he is. He's like, Musburger said you stole my idea. And he's like, wait your idea I'm like why don't you watch me hiya buddy out on the town huh guess what buddy mr must uh, sin says i can have my old job back i deserve a second chance he says huh he's yeah it turns out old bucket but isn't such a bad guy after all <laughs> Buzz, that's wonderful. but he told me you stole that swell hoop idea from me what gives but buzz i would never say that was a swell idea and sin says you stole it what are you waiting on clarence Pop him one. But Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> like how the fact that everyone knows that Sydney J. Musburger is the bad guy and no one will say anything yep. is so funny. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it in today's light, not really, but. <laughs> but yeah. One of one of my favorite gags in this entire movie was the uh, unemployment office at the very beginning. And it had a bunch of spinning boards that were uh, similar to like, uh, you see it like a train station mm-hmm. that were uh, announcing the jobs that were available. 
and some of the things that it flipped through and didn't land on were just fantastic. Yeah, those little Easter eggs uh, are great. <laughs> yeah, I, the two jobs that I noted that I, I really enjoyed were uh, Sandhog and Carney. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Carnies anymore on this podcast. <laughs> uh, do you know what a Sandhog is? No. I don't know. All right, here we go. A laborer who works in underwater or underground excavation and construction. Danger is part of the job for the tunnel workers known as Sandhogs who work beneath New York Street. Oh, are those the guys who basically built the subways? Yeah, they build like subways and tunnels. And yeah, it's apparently yeah. all like Irish yeah. immigrants. Yeah, yeah. If Norville did that, this movie would end in five minutes because he'd be dead. <laughs> yeah, he would have he would have fucked something up that would have resulted in the death of like a dozen of his colleagues. Well, so this is saying despite the dangers, many sandhogs say they love the job uh, because they're very well paid. It's basically a hundred thousand dollars in salary and benefits. Oh wow! So good for yeah. them. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, it should be a sandhog. Yeah, right? You think they need a lot of you think they need a lot of digging up in New Hampshire? <laughs> <laughs> they need all the digging they need. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Yeah, interesting. You're dressed as a rodeo clown. No, that's that's not what a sandhog is, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. I got the sad face on. I'll ride that rodeo all day long. <laughs> oh, uh, another one of my favorite gags is the um, the tailor who is like, come on, you, you need the singles, the double stitch. And he's like, Mr. Muskberger is a nice man. <laughs> I give him the double stitch. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great guy because I, I love I love Newman's face when he realizes he's so cheap that he he basically yeah. it, he like he accepts it too. One <laughs> one of the things that, that that stuck out for Danielle and I too was such a great scene. We were talking about it afterwards. Was when they were doing all the safety testing uh, oh, yeah. of the hula hoops. <laughs> And Which was how many more people were in? How many people were in the room when they were testing it with like explosives? Fifteen people <laughs> dove behind the barrier. Another another scene directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. a lot of sense because it's very similar to the um, what you call it scene from uh, Spider Man Two, the Doc Ock scene. Oh, that's I, right. I don't yeah, remember. Yeah. I I haven't seen Spider Man Two since it came out on a uh, video. In 2004? So I, my, my recollection of that. <laughs> yeah, hey, no, buddy, I, I, you probably I, I, should watch it again, buddy. <laughs> no, I actually, I saw it in 2006, because it was shortly after I moved into uh, my first apartment. Okay. I, I watched it for the first time. Welcome to the old apartment. This is where we used to live. This is where we used to live, <laughs> and now it's completely done over, and they charge about four times as much in rent. It's crazy. Yeah, I found out that my apartment from Brooklyn... Which we were paying, like, between the three of us, we were paying $2,000, is now $6,000, and it's basically, they turned it into a penthouse, and it was on the second Insane. floor. <laughs> like a second floor I'm, penthouse. I'm like, how the hell did they do that? <laughs> Does that woman still live behind me who had night terrors? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, uh, they cleaned up why is her window the, the place. They, they cleaned up that place in Alston, but when you clean up a place, that doesn't get rid of the roaches that live in the walls. And oh, that no. place was one of the most roach-infested places I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. Like, gross. we had such a problem with roaches. Like, their solution to it was to give us sticky traps. So, like, it'd be, like, the little box with open sides. Uh-huh. And... 
we had so many roaches that they would climb over each other, the ones that were already stuck in there, to get into the trap. It's disgusting. Was this like Joe's it was apartment? <laughs> yeah, it, more or less. Like, yeah, you, you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you turn on the light, and, like, they scatter. They scatter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, uh, the meat cute. I love the fact that it's just them not saying a word they're talking we don't hear it and it's the <laughs> the cabbies <laughs> the the cab the cabbie and the bus driver yep. yeah <laughs> and i love how they're like we need what what was it it's alka-seltzer but it was called something else can i get you boys anything else bromo bromo oh, oh i yeah i don't I remember and i love how he clearly got food poisoning from the food. Tim Robbins, and she's like, is your chicken a la king coming up? And he's like, <laughs> no. But I always thought that chicken a la king was something fancy. Do you know what it is? It's probably chicken in a sauce. That's like all of those like it's, fancy sounding things. It's, it's basically just chicken pot pie. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's pot pie without the crust. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically just chicken pot pie. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll do the puff pastry underneath it. Oh, what the fuck, people? Yeah, I don't that's want a just, soggy pastry. I don't want a chicken Danish. <laughs> oh, chicken Danish sounds pretty good. That sounds like something that you could feasibly get at like a 7-Eleven off of a roller. A chicken Danish, yeah. It's yeah. been just rolling for weeks. <laughs> yeah. This is from, this is from the or the the old country, you know, the old country of um, New York in 1955. <laughs> yeah, I love all of those mid-century foods. When you see like different recipe books and stuff like that from that time period, and it's chicken like, cacciatore and other fuck? stuff that doesn't exist anymore. Well, like, cacciatore is the closest thing to something that still exists. I'm talking about the stuff where it's like, yeah, have uh, have your chicken with a side of potatoes, and uh, you might want to slice off a little bit of lime jello to have with it, too. And it's like, yeah. what the fuck were people thinking back then? Well, those then? are time-saving things for, for the women, so they didn't have to slave over the, the stove for hours. You just make some jello. Steak and donut sandwich, please. <laughs> just Do you want slop, cigarettes slop on it that? out of a can and heat it up. Oh, I do love in the newsreel when they're like, ah, oh, kids love this new toy. Oh, I'm sorry. Mom and dad like it too. And it's like <laughs> this housewife and then this creepy, creepy man. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking up uh, some, some 50s dishes and it's like, we have something here called a frosted ribbon loaf. And uh, no. I'm sure you, you, you're enjoying the name of it. No. But uh, it's a collection of ham, eggs, <sighs> And uh, frosting. I don't like this. No, it's not. That's no. that's not real. <laughs> it's cream cheese frosting. Yes. Oh yeah. Then you that's slice, definitely real. Here's here's what it says you in the slice actual. Slice it like uh, a loaf too. No. Yep. Here's what it says in the actual uh, recipe thing because it's got a screenshot of the old the old recipe from like a magazine. Oh no. It's strictly for company and simply delicious. You slice through the luscious cream cheese frosting to reveal pretty layers of ham and egg filling. Tom tomato rose is a fitting trim. Gross. I hate this. Do you think that <laughs> do you think that Jennifer Jason Lee's character would start to order that and then, you know, to prove how awful the nineteen fifties are, they'll be like, She'll have a salad. <laughs> <laughs> uh the other thing is I love 
the fact that she was not nominated for any awards, even just a Golden Globe, is a travesty because Absolutely. she is so like her her facial expressions, especially when he's like, uh, "I got big ideas," and he points to the to the circle and he's like, "You know, for kids." And yeah. the look she gives him, the uh, uh, I better get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was fantastic. The the whole like trying to mimic the um, the Muncie uh, like oh, why can't God, I think the, of it? The, the, the song, oh. the uh, the school song. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And she's pretty much doing like the Kristen Wiig, Fred Armisen from <laughs> yeah, exactly. SNL. The two people who can't remember the songs. Yep. And then just the 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 callback anytime she used like the eagle sign again. Oops, sorry, <laughs> hit my mic. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, that was a, a a really good sort of callback at the end of the movie. Yeah, the, the last eagle symbol. Mm-hmm. And the the, the, the it, it never part cracked me up too. Okay, so originally Buscemi was supposed to be Buzz, which is okay, pretty obvious. Yeah, oh, uh, I could see that. Yeah, I got to see what he was making because I mean I couldn't have been pulled. Was it airheads? Maybe. That was later '90s, though, wasn't it? No, it was. It was no, ninety. That was. It was either '94 or '95. Okay. I'm Airheads trying. was '94. Um. Then he was doing Airheads, and he couldn't do this, and that's why he couldn't play what's his name's role, Eric Stoltz's role in mm-hmm. uh, Pulp Fiction, and why he showed up as, uh, what's his name, as uh, Buddy Holly. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot he was Buddy Holly in that. (laughs) (laughs) Big Bopper, what do you want? Peggy Sue? (laughs) Yeah, I love when Steve Buscemi (laughs) shows up as the beatnik, and he's like, I told you, (laughs) Daddy-o. Yep. (laughs) So that's I really loved the the, um, bit. So there is a noise in this film that I really loved. Mm-hmm. And it happened right after Jennifer Jason Lee said, consider this my resignation. And she kicked a dude in the shins who was standing next to her. <laughs> yeah. And the noise he made was so perfect. Cause it was just like, <laughs> I also love how like her thing is she's always slapping uh, Smitty or Bruce Campbell across the face. Mm-hmm. I love how she's always slapping someone across the face. Like, that's such a nice. Yeah, there's a lot of slaps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think, I I can't believe I'm saying this, but the two times Bruce Campbell has ever looked this good are this and McHale's <laughs> Navy. <laughs> and I haven't are, seen him in that. But yeah, he's like glistening in this one too. He's beautiful. But like, I thought, <laughs> honestly, I would have liked there to be a twist where, where like, um, she ends up with him. <laughs> but knowing Sam Raimi, he probably tried to lobby for Campbell to get the Norval Barnes role. <laughs> What's the months? Holy moly. And is this guy from Chumpsville? Ha, I even pulled the old mother routine. Adnoids. Lumbago. That gag's got whiskers on it. I'm telling you, Smitty, the board of hot is up to something. Hey, what's a six-letter word for no- Yeah, probably. Like, I'm glad that he didn't. Because, I, 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 but I did want more Smitty. <laughs> because I, I know for a fact that he lobbied so hard for him to play Dark Man, and Bruce Campbell was like, "Buddy, <laughs> hey, buddy," he was hey, buddy, like, "You can't do it." <laughs> he was like, he, "He was like, Sammy, you can't ruin your career for me." 
And I'll always be there for you, but you can't ruin your career for me. But Campbell would have been really good in this too, like as Norval Barnes. I think it would have been good. I just It's a different type of performance. I, I just really love Tim Robbins in this Tim role. Tim Robbins is really good, especially with the eyes. Like I love when he's explaining the hula hoop, and he's like, it's great exercise, <laughs> it's great for kids, yeah. and you know, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, he's got that, I don't know, I think he's got a little more like downtrodden like innocence to him that just worked really well because he, he like he was technically like a smart guy a smart businessman but he just didn't have any, any experience after that so i don't know i just i thought he fit very well i mean the thing that depresses me is knowing that if they made this today they'd probably cast neil patrick harris in the role oh and that would he just be showboating the whole time i mean so i mentioned this is this is definitely my second favorite coen brothers movie my first is inside lewin davis so like that's a very depressing movie. Then this one is very Slightly high energy, <laughs> and then then it goes Fargo, and then it goes Hail Caesar, and then No Country or mm-hmm. No Country then Hail Caesar. I think I go. I I texted Chris what it was, but like this and Hail Caesar are their two funniest movies in my opinion, and they were their two biggest bombs. Yeah, and it's such a travesty. I mean, part of it is that I don't, like, if you ask anybody, I don't know, the Coen brothers, like, tone that they have, it's not going to be comedy, I don't think, which is yeah. not really yeah. accurate, because even, like, O Brother is, like, has plenty of comedy in it. Raising Arizona. <laughs> yeah. Raising but I, Arizona I think is silly as fuck. think more, like, like, no country t- type of tone than I mean, this or Hail Caesar. I mean, after Hail Caesar, like, in the top ten is, like... Barden Fink and Miller's Crossing, like they're more yeah. underrated stuff. Barden Fink is great, yeah. and a little callback that they do to that in this is um, Goodman's name listed in the credits is is his character Carl Mund from from uh, Barden Fink. That's, oh, it that's how he's credited in this. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Newsreel Newsreel <laughs> actor is credited as Carl Mund because nice. he was filming. <laughs> Universal wouldn't let him out of his contract. Gotcha. But yeah, that's insane that this is exactly the same plot as Flintstones. Mm -hmm. That is really bizarre. Yeah. Hey, speaking of bizarre, do you want me to uh, hit you all with another 50s uh, culinary weird thing? No. Please. (laughs) All right. So in the 50s, uh, Campbell's decided that they were going to take a unique tack uh, at promoting their soups. Mm -hmm. And instead of promoting them as strictly you know, soup that you would eat in a can, uh, they suggested that you cook it and then pour it over your favorite sandwich. <laughs> so, for example... I was going to expect you to say, like, oh, you just use it as a sauce with, like, chicken. And I'm like, yeah, plenty of people do that as, like, casserole. a... Yeah, something like that, because nope, that's pretty just, common. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's you, you got to make a, quote-unquote, super sandwich, which is spelled as you would imagine it would be, S-O-U-P-E-R. Sure. Uh-huh. Of course. Yeah. Um, and you can make your sandwiches hot and hearty by substituting the top slice of bread for sauce made from tin soup. As I the outlet explains, you, like, it suggests. Oh, I was just going to say. My like, face isn't you frozen. Have a perfectly but, good sandwich. Just throw some soup on it. <laughs> yeah, my face wasn't frozen. That, <laughs> it suggests that, chicken soup for a chicken sandwich, tangy tomato soup for cheese, creamy celery on ham, 
and mushroom soup for beef. Okay, they're no. not wrong about the cheese sandwich and the tomato soup because but like, you put you put the sandwich you dip in it. The, right. the soup. Yeah, no, I <laughs> understand that. Like, no, uh, cool I, grilled cheese. Just I, th- I dump thought, it. I thought <laughs> I thought Chris was gonna say that they do the thing where they're like, "Excuse me, young lady, are you the lady of the house? Why don't you turn this, you know, nice." cream of diarrhea soup into a nice casserole yeah exactly (laughs) but like the one thing that they did in this movie that i'm glad they didn't is they let they let jennifer jason lee be a career woman yes even when even when she's a secretary he treats her like a career woman Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. i just i really like that I did too. I mean, yeah, obviously coming from the the, the lady's perspective, it, it was very nice to see her being like incredibly capable and also swindling him at the same time. I also yes. want to know delightful. what happens with her. Like they never tell what happens with her. That's that's the biggest weakness in yep. this film. They never <laughs> said what happened to her. We know that he does just fine, but does she go back to the paper? Does he buy the paper for her and give it to her? Like, yeah, I mean, she, she's got a Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> <laughs> I love how they're taking bets on whether or not she'll bring it up. Yeah, <laughs> I bet my Pulitzer Prize on it. <laughs> also, did you notice that um, what's his name, Blue from um, Old School, was the old guy who was helping him in the? I did recognize the, him. The I, I also, I, I also always think of him as Blue. I don't yep. know the actor's name, but he's always Blue to me. <laughs> or he was also in Best in Show, but like, yeah, that's true. But he's he's blue in Best in Show. <laughs> this movie is just filled with character actors because even yeah. even the the guy who's like we're loaded like he he's a character actor who I've seen in a million different things. Yeah, we were looking him up because he had like a very distinctive voice and like maybe he's like a voice actor. I forget who he was, but he's he's in a bunch of stuff too. I liked having a uh, John Polito in there briefly as John well. John Polito, yeah, from mm-hmm. uh, Bushwhack. <laughs> Bushwhacked is where you go first. Uh, yeah, I would. That's go with where the crow, I saw him for the first time. <laughs> Fair enough. The crow's where I saw him for the first time. So that that all tracks. <laughs> Bushwhacked. <laughs> I really, I loved. Like, I I come from like industrial design background, so I loved any time they showed like the super simple prototype of the uh, the hula hoop, and mm-hmm. it was the exact same prototype for the frisbee. <laughs> yep. I do love that. I love those callbacks that they keep doing, and. I, I love how no one can name anything. And the three brainstorming guys, do you look up who it is? No, I wanted to and I totally forgot. Okay, sure. I don't know who one of them is, but the other two are Sam and Ivan Ramey. The hoop sucker. swinger. The hoop sucker. The hood swinger. Fellas. You got something? You got something? Fellas. I got something. <laughs> the two oh, going. Yeah, yeah. The two, the two going back, back and, and forth, forth yeah. are are the Raimi brothers, Sam Raimi, director, and Ivan Raimi from uh, the Spider-Man movies as uh, the assistant to J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> 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 there was food poisoning? I'm feeling a little nauseous. <laughs> I just, I think this movie is great. There, There's nothing that really falters, and I could watch this all the time, and I do, but... I think that this is just a funny movie. It, I was reading one review. I was reading a bunch of the reviews from it. And the one thing everyone agrees on is it's a gorgeous movie. Like, it looks beautiful. Like, everything looks amazing. But Roger Ebert said there's very little, you know, subtext. There's very little, like, you know, 
story beyond the first layer. Mm-hmm. There's and, not supposed to be. Yeah, right. Exactly. And I find that funny because then I looked at what he did for the movie pick of the week when he um, reviewed this, and it was his girl Friday. And I'm like, that's it's like the same. It's the same yeah. fucking movie. Like, <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of subtext in that either. God damn it, Roger. <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about Anna Nicole Smith. <laughs> oh, that's right. Zaza. 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 Yeah, I mean, she was functional in this. That was nice to see. Yeah. My only thought yep. is, was was she going to go marry? Was she married to the billionaire at this point or after? <laughs> I think it was after. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, when when she came on, we just kind of weren't paying attention for a minute because we were just talking about um, Howard Stern, her uh, attorney, or whatever oh, yeah. he was, and how he basically murdered her. Yep. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, tossed yeah. her on some reality TV, and voila. <laughs> just pill her up and hey. see what happens. Uy. They give you pills to get you up. They give you pills to put you down. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that we haven't talked about and this is my last note, is uh, his whole dream ballet. Why isn't that Jennifer Jason Lee? I was so confused by that, too. I don't... That was really weird, yes. Yeah. It should have been Jennifer Jason Lee, right? Yes. Yeah, just some random woman. It definitely um, had Singing in the Rain vibes. It did, but they didn't do a tap dance that made, you know... <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee burst all the blood vessels in yeah, her feet exactly. so she couldn't do it. And then Gene Kelly comes in. <laughs> Damn it, Donald O'Connor. <laughs> yeah, you you heard about that, right? How he was... Oh, I'm very yep. familiar with all the yeah. bullshit that happened in that movie. I, it's yeah, one of my favorites, but I, yep. I know how monstrous Gene Kelly is. <laughs> because he didn't want to yell at her anymore, he took it all out on Donald O'Connor. Poor Donald O'Connor. And he's God like, damn so, it, Donald. so talented too. Oh, it's awful. Damn it, Donald, for bursting all the blood vessels in your feet and jumping out of the cake rung so we can't film this scene. <laughs> what did I do? Uh, we also forgot to mention Charles Durning's beautiful wings uh, when he comes back as an oh, angel. Oh yeah, when he's <laughs> when they <okay>. stop time. <laughs> I, I that's the one scene that I remembered the most as a kid is yeah. the time stopping scene because it literally is a Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> he Moses Bill Cobb is a god in a machine. Yes, it's wonderful. <laughs> in, in his equivalent of Freddy Krueger's uh, workshop. Yes. Uh, I, I do love the scene between, like, I, they kind of mirror each other, but the scene between Norville and uh, wearing Hutsucker um, and uh, Amy uh, Acker and um, uh, Moses, they they're, they mirror each other, like, almost precisely. Mm-hmm. And I do love how you find out that he has bequeathed the entire fortune yep. <laughs> because he didn't turn in the blue letter. <laughs> 37. 36. Walk down. Ladies and gentlemen, please step to the rear. Here comes a gargantuan Mr. Greer. Buzz. Say, buddy, who's the most liquid businessman on the street? Wearing Hudsucker. <laughs> Say, buddy, when is the sidewalk fully dressed? When it's wearing Hudsucker. <laughs> you get it, buddy? It's a pun. It's a knee slapper. It's a play on Jesus, Joseph, and Mary. Is that a blue letter? 
Cripe the muddy one to tell a guy. Hold on, folks, we're expressed to the top floor. <laughs> oh, did anyone have any comments about all the jokes Buzz was making about uh, Hudsucker jumping out the window? <laughs> It was pretty quick uh, yeah. after the after the death that he was he had those jokes ready to go. <laughs> what takes fifty years to get to the top and twenty seconds to get down? <laughs> Wearing hot sucker. <laughs> when is the street dressed? When it's wearing hot sucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, the last thing I'll mention is. Hutsucker Prison was the name of the prison in Crime Wave, and they were supposed to marry each other because Hutsucker was supposed to own all of these things. Gotcha. So in addition to... So he owned a for-profit prison in this universe? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. He's making license plates and stuff like that. That's a, <laughs> that's a business, right? <laughs> yeah, paying, paying the uh, inmates, you know, 10 cents an hour. Yeah, yeah it's, it's oh, yeah. good business. Yeah, great business. <laughs> so is there anything we left out uh the the milk angel from boar's coffee and tv video at the end rescuing him was uh pretty good yeah mm. yeah um, and i love how like he he falls 45 floors and he lives yep yeah uh, uh, I also love the random person on the street who yells out the phrase you're that wall street fraud guy <laughs> <laughs> One of my uh, one of my favorite lines in this. Oh, the woman who's like, "Do you have an appointment?" was uh, from Dawson's Creek. It was Jen's grandmother from Dawson's Creek. Wouldn't have she known. Seemed like she seemed like she's yeah. She's <laughs> yeah, been in a whole bunch that. of stuff. Yeah, she seemed like someone I've seen in things before. She yeah. was also on the TV show Titus. She played uh, oh. his new stepmom. <laughs> but yeah, so. What else? Did we miss anything else, or should we get into the ratings, into the bagels? Well, we, we, we did miss one other thing that I okay. want to tell you guys about, and that's mm-hmm. ham and bananas hollandaise. Oh, no! <laughs> and picture a tray with bananas just lined up right in a row. Uh, and a butter Spooning sauce? each other. Oh, with, no. With uh, a I don't like this. layer of what looks like deli ham wrapped oh. around them each. Oh. It's too much ham. And then, yeah, just smothered with a generous helping of uh, hollandaise sauce all across the top. <laughs> I just like what a like what a weird era where everything had to just be like a pile, like a wet pile of food. The only time you can bring this up ever again is when I have you back on a do shape of water. Because <laughs> 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 same time period. Yeah, and ever, everyone was eating ham and bananas holidays oh, and that's especially in, that movie. in in the water, you get that even wetter. Yeah. Oh yeah. A, a, a nice dinner of macaroni and Elmer's glue. <laughs> you can really chase the horse. <laughs> so, how many bagels, Danielle? Uh, no, Christopher made me do the 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 summary. So Christopher goes first. So I liked this movie. Um, it's definitely one I will watch again. It was a lot of fun. And uh, more people should see it. I'm gonna say out of thirteen, I'm gonna give it ten because it's 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 not a perfect movie. There are things I'd rather watch than this, but uh, this is a lot of fun, and you should watch it if you like fun things. Yeah, I was debating between a nine and a ten, but I think nine is too harsh, so I'm gonna stick with a ten too. So definitely not like my favorite movie ever, but it was a like total surprising delight. Um. And I most likely will watch this again. It honestly made me really want to just go watch Pooh and Roger Rabbit just because mm-hmm. it's it's so it's like it's similar like zany 
yeah. um, I don't know, humor. It just, it hit me the right way. It was great. I'm going with 11 and, you know, six of those bagels go to Jennifer Jason Lee because she's just amazing in this. Um, everything about the production design and the fact that they held out, the Coen brothers refused to make this movie until they could get Paul Newman just makes me so happy. And I love when they found out he was making Nobody's Fool. They're like, come on, that's that's a comedy. You got to do this. So, yeah. Who wants to promote what? Oh, do we have anything? We're not doing anything, right? <laughs> and we've got the uh, the film out. We do. We did a short film. Do you want to, I don't know, promote that? Go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for a 48-hour film festival, we did a short film uh, entitled Blood Brothers, and it is on YouTube in its entirety, if you want to check that out. Our uh, production company that made it is Hans Barrera, and that's B-R-E-R-R-A. First time I saw that, I thought it said Hanna-Barbera. That's where that's it comes the from. Idea. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I still kind of make plushies on the side too, so I'll promote that. I craft under the brand Tree Fort 5, so if you want some cute plushies or some weird stuff, I, I can make things. I got into stained glass. If you want some stained glass commissions, I can totally make stuff now too. <laughs> yeah, and Chris uh, and I, yeah. Chris and I are going back to when Scary Met Stabby. That'll happen at some point in the near Very future. Excited uh, for that. We'll start recording it, but but it will come out until uh, October. October, and then uh, yes. I got Hell as a Musical, and then there are other great podcasts on Zero Science Network. Danielle, Chris, yeah. thanks for doing this. Yay! Thanks for, oh, having, thanks for us. having us. Until this is nice one I've been meaning to watch, so very yeah. happy to, uh, to to get it in. Yeah. Until next time, I'm Scott Kerlin. Bye.